from selling fish and chips to a $50,000 a month online business. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. Now, in his book, Start From Zero, Dane Maxwell shares this simple framework to use as an engine for coming up with business ideas and to make your first sales. He calls it CPSO, which stands for Customer Pain Solution and Offer. I want you to stick around in this episode to learn how my guest found a common pain and started selling the solution from zero to 50 grand a month in revenue from Linkify.io. Chris Pantelli, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. Been a fan for a long time, so this is awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for tuning in and thank you for being part of the show. Now, if you're tuning in, I think you're going to be able to follow some of the same tactics that Chris used to start and grow a side hustle of your own to help get you started, to help get those creative juices flowing. Your free listener only bonus for this week is my big list of 101 service business ideas. You can download that for free in the show notes for this episode. Just follow the show notes link in the episode description. Again, that's the 101 service business ideas. So Chris, the business is Linkify, and we're going to go through that CPSO, Customer Pain Solution Offer. Customer, bloggers, online business owners, pain, building backlinks. It sucks. The solution, hey, help a reporter. Haro, it's been around for a decade plus. These are high authority links. It's just, uh, you know, going back to that pain, it's a pain to, you know, sort through three emails a day and make those pitches and make them compelling. So the offer is, hey, don't do it yourself. Do it, you know, we'll do it for you for a fixed price. Take me back. So this is a couple years old at this point. You're selling fish and chips. And, you know, fast forward a couple years later, you're on this uh, productized agency model. It's been insane. Straight after university, decided to take over the family business of fish and chips. And I did that for 13 years. And then I was drawn to sort of these blog income reports that you see all over the internet. So I started dabbling with uh, a personal finance website, which I thought was like in line with my formal education started getting some traction with that website started like ranking some keywords getting some traffic came across harrow so started doing harrow for myself pitching as myself and uh started to i think i got my first ever harrow link and got addicted and then got another one and then another one so i was in like new york times new york post forbes money.com you know some of the biggest websites in the world. okay yeah you, you were onto something that worked yeah yeah <laughs> and then as the site was growing a bit more the fish and chip shop was quite busy. I mean, I was doing sort of 12, 13 hour days. And yeah, I thought to maybe just outsource a little bit of life upswing, to, uh, some of the the guest post link building that I wanted to do. Um, so I found a chap called Nick. Uh, we got talking, um, sort of developed a, a friendship. And um, and then he was asking me, he, he looked at my site's backlink profile and he said, yo, you know, how did you get all these like awesome links from New York Times? And I told him about Harrow and he said, oh, I've got some of my clients that would be interested maybe in if you could do Harrow for them. And I was a bit skeptical because I thought, how can I do it on behalf of someone else? But I thought if we, you know, if we get some sort of basic information from them and, and, and they give us maybe just a bit of creative leeway to answer on their behalf, then we could give it a go. And we did and it was successful. And then we took a few more of his clients uh, and then we sort of were noticing that that's what most people wanted. And uh, we started Linkify, I think, last January. Uh, and now here we are today. Wow. I mean, the marketing has been incredible because I've seen it pop up on my, you know, it's come across my desk you know, probably half a dozen times over the last year. So you've been hitting it hard in, <laughs> in that sense. And it's, and this is actually really an interesting point, like to start it 
almost as a white label service under the umbrella or under the wing of this agency that already existed. Like, hey, we're already uh, targeting an online business owner clientele. They need help with links, but we don't have the expertise to go out and get these PR links or these helpful reporter links. You do. Would you mind doing that for us? And and it, and it worked. Now, uh, we're 50-50 partners. He, he was a one-man agency anyway, and I was, I was doing the shop, but I just got diagnosed uh, type 1 diabetes at the age of 33. And then we just sort of uh, went into the pandemic just after that. They were really lucky to stay open in the UK, but staying open was almost uh, a curse anyway, because everyone was being told not to not to go out, but we weren't given any support or told to shut. So we were opening our doors to empty streets. <laughs> and I remember then thinking, yeah, I need to, I need to really sort of diversify my risk out of this industry um, and and go strong on on my finance website and then look to see if there's more that we could do with this sort of side hustle that I was doing with Nick. And um, me and Nick made a decision to um, to start trying to take as many clients as we could. And I would just sort of do, you know, 15, 16, 17 hour days instead of 13 hour days. Uh, my eyes sort of closing at the screen at midnight whilst I'm trying to do these Harrow pitches. Yeah. And then, um, then we sort of, I think we just did a big outreach uh, to John Dykstra, who's been a guest of yours on the show. I know. Um, okay. And we offered him what we did for free. We said, "Look, let's show, let us show you what we can do." He's a really nice guy, super, super cool guy. And he said, uh, "Go on, then, Chris. You know, let me see what you can do." We built him some. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to build me high authority backlinks for free. Sure, have at it. Yeah, <laughs> but I would definitely say that's a tactic that works. If you've got something which you know is good and people want, um, if they've got an, an audience and they're receptive, just do it them for free. You know, you, they might not say anything after, but. Luckily, John actually came back to us and said, okay, uh, can you build some links for uh, a few of my sites, which was like enough for me to really then uh, say to Nick, let's do this full time. And then we knew we'd, we'd have a promotion coming up off him. And it's, yes, it's gone from there. So you kind of gave him the free sample and then it sounds like he became a paying customer yeah, and then became an evangelist, like started spreading the word to his audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's been super helpful. That's been our sort of main bread and butter with the growth, um, I would say, is reaching out to influencers, offer, offering them our services either for, for free or for a big discount, and then getting in front of their audiences because there's, there's definitely a need for this. But as we grow and we learn sort of what sorts of people, what sorts of industries, what sorts of sites want these links without having to do it themselves, then that's really exciting as well to see that the need for this is uh, much broader than just sort of niche website owners or small publishers. Yeah. Was there any level of competitive analysis into the world of PR link building companies, if there were such a thing? Like, oh, everybody else is, you know, there's too many people doing this. It sounds like you kind of grew a little bit more organically than idea marketing customer. It was like, well, we already kind of had some customers through this agency thing, but I was curious if you did any of this competitive analysis to try and see well, who else is out there and how big might this market potentially be? I knew there was another one or two agencies offering it exclusively. And then I'd say a handful more agencies that were offering it alongside their other um, basket of, of link building products. One of the biggest link agencies, I think, offers it as well. It was more of like a hidden service on, on the website. So I definitely knew people were, were selling it. Uh, I'd never been a customer of this service before. I know there's some sort of uh, individual freelancers that also offer it. Uh, but yeah, it was much more of an organic growth. So uh, another 
uh, blogger that I knew was a lady called Carly Campbell. She owns quite a big Facebook group and the website, um, yeah. Mommy on Purpose. Yeah. So I reached out to her with the same sort of thing. And she was really kind to actually ask me on to do like a webinar to her audience, her like private members audience. That was quite, quite in, in the early days, actually, I would say. And we did that. And um, we actually got like a bunch of paying customers off the back of that. So I thought having a face to the service as well was something that not really anybody else was doing that I could see visibly. So I thought, you know, it's they're not cheap, the packages. You want to know your money's safe. So I thought a combination of getting my face out there, talking to people about it, and then aligning myself with other people that knew what they were talking about that had used our services, be it for free or for a discount. I thought that could all be a marriage made in heaven for, for growth. Yeah, how'd you figure out how much to charge for this stuff? Because it can't be really time-consuming to sift through all the queries and write dedicated responses to each of those. We used the existing services that were offering it. We just gave ourselves enough margin to offer you know, Black Friday sales, maybe. We've been able to keep the costs relatively low. We have writers now. We have an editing process. You know, we have a team leader. Uh, so it's, it's a bigger team, but we're really, really proud of the end result. So we're not offering just links that we've bought. Like we don't buy any links. It's all manual outreach. So when we tell a client, we've just got them a link on, you know, ZNet, DR90, 20 million traffic or whatever it is. We're so proud of that. We think it's worth what what we charge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you literally could not go out and buy it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. You know, and the reason I ask is it's on the surface, like sticker price, not not cheap. 10 links for 6,500 bucks, 650 bucks a piece. And those, I guess, for a newer site would make a meaningful difference SEO-wise, especially for a, a newer site. Not all of a sudden, you have all this uh, you know, high authority backlink juice pointing to you. Five links, thirty-seven fifty. Of course, prices subject to change. So, you know, not necessarily targeting that you know brand new online business owner, somebody who really recognizes the value in this. And one thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, instead of being pitched as a PR service, you know, just kind of shifting that a little bit to pitch it as a link building service. That was to me that was unique. Instead, I'm not competing with all these other. Uh, you know, PR companies are going to you know go out and pitch your story to the press, and like maybe I don't want to do live TV or radio calls, but you know I would be interested in in this specific thing. I don't know. I thought that was unique. Talk to me a little bit more about the uh, webinar with Carly. So this was you coming on doing kind of the, the DIY version. Like, hey, if you want to get Haro links, here's how you're going to do it yourself. But it's kind of a pain. Like, if you want us to do it for you, was that kind of the structure of that pitch? It was a, a, a complete sort of how to do it and, and what we do. But it does also lend itself the whole process to either thinking, yeah, I'm going to put some time into that and try and do it. Or, or by the end of it, you do think, oh, God, I can't be bothered to do that. <laughs> so I didn't go on to upsell the packages. And I, I think it was quite a last minute thing for Carly to have included the like affiliate link into that after as well. And then, um, yeah, we actually did get some some sales. So like you were just saying before, I think it's interesting. It's probably not something for brand new people into the online space for their first business. But, but having said that, like if you've got the budget then and you don't want to take any risk whatsoever with your with your site, we, we know that links are still as important, if not more important than ever, especially with the onset of uh, AI mass content. It's like one of the few ways to 
differentiate your site from other sites and the bigger sites have they've got these links anyway so you sort of need to get them if you want to stay at a level level playing field with your competition yeah it's just a it's it's a great press badge for the homepage, and it's just a great way to build your your authority your eat your eyes in google and to and to make your your web property um like a sustainable asset for the for the future yeah i was a customer of a similar service for a few months maybe it was a year or two ago Hmm. And then they just shut down because they're like, well, this is a pain. We're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, come on. I, like, I was happy. to Now I got to go back and figure out another process to do this myself because I, I do recognize the value in it. But yeah, it's kind of a kind of a pain. So the question is, I guess, well, first let me ask about the decision to price it as a one-off package versus a monthly recurring service like this other company had sold it as. That's interesting because we did start as a monthly a package. So we started off, I think what we did was we priced it at two links per month for a minimum of a four-month uh, contract. The problem is Harrow is so unpredictable. It takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And we could have a client in the first month that's in a you know a particularly timely niche um, for for the time of year that they that they buy, let's okay. say we take a gardening site during the summer, and we could have built all uh, you know eight links in in five weeks, let's say. So then we were having to pray that they'd pay <laughs> for like the remaining months because we'd already got them their their eight links in in the first after the, they hadn't even made their second. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then we would have clients that maybe we didn't even get one link in the first month and they're getting ready to have to pay their second month bill and they've got nothing in their dashboard. So they might yeah, be thinking... Yeah, like this, doesn't, this doesn't work. This guy's a scam, yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. So it was actually me that pushed against that. Nick was more on the line that, you know, this is it's nice to spread it out and to have it as monthly recurring. Also, many happy clients are going to go past the fourth month into the fifth and sixth month. I mean, we've had clients with us now for a big chunk of the of our first year, so which has been amazing. But I liked the idea of just saying, you pay us this money, this is what we'll deliver. This is that kind of the guide time of how long it'll take. But if it takes longer, it takes longer, but you will get what we're offering. Have you ever had the case where the niche was just too obscure or you couldn't deliver or it's, you know, it's, it's still open-ended. Like, Hey, we're still working on those 10 links for you, Mr. And Mrs. Blogger. Uh, not, not yet. I mean, we've got open orders now, but we, we've yet to, we've yet to not complete an order. There is always a journalist looking for some expertise and, they, and it doesn't matter how obscure the person's website is. Uh, we have such a good vetting system. Now, uh, all of our, all of the queries are assigned to clients prior to our writers writing the pitches and yeah it can take time you know it can take four five six weeks to get that first one and then we're sending so many pitches as well that often you know it could be four five six weeks the first one comes in and then the next day the next one comes in you know for the same client and then two more come in and then a year later you get one on the bbc let's say that's happened and you know they're not even a paying client anymore and you think oh god's the best link ever and <laughs> they're not even a customer anymore <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and still put it down in that rolodex of like hey you know we we scored links from these from these places when you're hiring it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire but what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash, it's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. On the, like, are you comfortable sharing a sense of the, at any given moment, how many different clients are you having to keep track of? Uh, yeah, so I'd say we average between 25-ish clients jumps up to maybe like 30 after a big promotion and goes down. That's when everyone starts going, we need to do another promotion or we need to make, you know, check that our lead gen and we've, <laughs> we've just started with a, uh, an email marketing company. We're doing some like LinkedIn lead gen. We have other, you know, influencers that we're working with as well. So we've always got stuff in the pipeline, but they're really interesting things. So Nick has a lot more experience in the, in the agency like world than me. So he's done, uh, yeah, eight years of client SEO and, and link building. But for me, it's a very different world to selling fish and chips behind a hot, steamy counter. <laughs> but it's um, it's interesting how we've had to scale. We've had to scale to meet demand. And then as we've built out the team to handle the demand, it's like right now do we push to to be able to handle like double the demand, but we haven't got that yet? Or do we wait to see if the demand doubles and then quickly scale again. So it's the, the chicken and the egg it's, and learning as we go. <laughs> yeah, this is the common issue with any agency where you're trying to balance that ability to provide the service with how many people need the service and be mindful of the margins uh, in between there. And so you have it structured so that you know client comes on, they're assigned a, a dedicated writer or pitcher who is kind of uh, on the lookout for queries that match their niche or expertise? Uh, we have uh, one person who scours all queries and assigns them to the client. The client is tagged oh, to gosh, a writer. That's, so, that's like so much to keep in your brain. Like we got 25 different things. Like, oh, this is going to be a match for 
uh, you know, customer B, this could be a match for a client, you know, 17, like, oh my God. Well, I, I did all of that on my own uh, initially. So now I have a, a team lead managing that and he's doing a really good job, Roland, if he's listening. But I think there will be a critical mass for the number of clients that one person can do that job for. And then the idea would be just to just to split everything into two then. So you'd have one team lead managing a basket of clients and organizing the pitches for them. And then another team lead managing those clients and a basket of pitches for them. And then, yeah, hopefully sort of like spread it out like that. But we can't, we don't want to do that yet until we know we've got the, the, the those clients. And yeah. Do you go line by line, like three times a day, it's this fire drill when the emails come out from, from help a reporter and you're like, Okay, you know, question number one, like, okay, do we have anybody that's a fit? No. Okay, question number two, yes. And then if you have, you know, what happens if you have multiple clients in the same niche? Are you sending, you know, two pitches, you know, supposedly from two different, you know, with two different signatures on the bottom of that, kind of like tweaked a little bit differently? It's not as difficult, as hard as you think, because we've been doing this for a long time now. So we actually built our own database, which started obviously with me. And then that now like organically gets updated. Um, so we know all of the junk domains on Harrow. We know the domains that are good, but they never, ever link as part of their editorial policy or whatnot. We know the, the journalists. <laughs> We're not wasting our time with this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, honestly, a big chunk of the list can just be instantly crossed off. So our, our the, the organizer, uh, the pitch assigner, um, he has like tags, which instantly highlights the domains or, or queries associated to those domains to be removed so that that does actually take down any single harrow email you know down by maybe 50 percent. i mean there's a lot of stuff in there that we don't pitch that we know not to pitch. do you ever roll the dice where it says like anonymous do you ever roll the dice and say okay yeah we just did one um very recently and it was an unbelievably good link i'm trying to think what website it was all right yeah i never uh, know if I, if, if I should uh take the time to respond to this our uh, company line on that is if the query is perfectly aligned to a client, give it a go. But one little one little trick you can do with those is sometimes the anonymous ones, the, the domain is anonymous, but they'll put the, the, the person's name. They'll pop the, the, the journalist's name there. Google search the, the person's name, tag writer on the end or journalist. Often you'll get like a, a muckrack or um, like a PR Okay. Yeah. Who they, what publications they write for. Yeah. 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 And then if you see like five publications that you've heard of, go for it. Cause this is probably going to be a good site. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you have the clients, because this is something that I had to do when I was uh, a customer of this PR service, because I, I kind of had to write out this, you know, 10, 15 page document answers to common questions that they could just kind of paste in. Do you have something similar, like demanding that kind of upfront work from the client? Or are you pulling that from existing blog content to answer these questions? Because you don't have expertise in 25 different niches. It's got to be hard to kind of come up with a compelling pitch. Yeah, it's interesting with Harrow. We've got to be really quick. We've got to have their permission to creatively write the answers, have the the pitchers um, be able to, you know, obviously the individual writers will be um, assigned to the clients that their expertise lie best in. But then outside of that, it's it's research. And it's putting together a pitch on behalf of the client that is, you know, going to be acceptable to the client to have that, have those words printed on their behalf. Whereas with the, with the more PR style clients, they're either not a great fit for what we offer currently because they need a bit more tighter control. So 
that is something we'll be able to do when we're offering the PR packages or we do have a, a more in-depth onboarding form which they can fill out, but we still need the ability to not have them pre-approved pitches that get sent out. Otherwise we would never win a link, but with the, yeah, you just, it would take too much time. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, but luckily our sort of target demographic currently, they care about link juice. They want to see the links and Harrow is still very much a platform where the journalists and the writers from the huge publications are more so looking to leverage the expertise of the person they're quoting. Like the person writing the article knows whether or not it's a good idea to put a lot of money on a credit card. Like they're not really asking (laughs) for the answer to that question. What they're looking to do is quote an expert who can back up the sentiment that maybe it's not a great idea to put a load of expenses on a credit card. So often the questions (laughs) aren't, you know, they they don't need a, a great deal of research. What they do need to be done is well written. I could go in, I could talk about that all day about good ways to put a pitch together. But yeah, if, if, if it's well written, if you've not used AI or, or not blatantly used AI to put this pitch together, um, if you've, uh, if you've got expertise and if you've been able to tell the journalist quickly and, and clearly Gosh, why. I didn't you- even think about that. Yeah. Oh, I'll just have chat GPT write my answers for these queries. Well, they, they know that now. Uh, I mean, it's obvious okay. when it's, yeah, but if you've got yeah, you someone, get 17 that are all the same, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and as well, oh, another thing which we've done, which has been amazing was, um, I got, I managed to, um, talk to one of the, the journalists, um, that featured me in the New York times. So she's a New York times journalist. Um, and then I, I remember I was speaking to her on Twitter, I think it was. And I said, Hey, I'm putting together this like masterclass, this, this course on the website, we're going to teach people about, um, how to use. Uh, harrow and how to get good pitches would you come on and do like an interview with me and she she was up for it so and then another uh journalist another big journalist who writes for new york herald or you know another few big publications also agreed so inside that course we have like a 20 minute interview with these two journalists and they give a behind the scenes look at what harrow looks like on the other side so what they're seeing when the when the response is coming and that was super interesting (laughs) Do you mind sharing uh, two or three best practices that you've seen uh, for for submitting these pitches? Yeah, well, the one which I thought was obvious was, you know, if you're not an expert, don't pitch. So they've got people asking about maybe Healthline's doing something on, I don't know, end-of-life care, and they get pitches from plumbers <laughs> saying... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to like make, make oh. sure make sure before you die make sure your toilet's okay. <laughs> so I thought that that seems like an obvious one but you know people try that they said don't ask for a backlink journalists this is another thing that SEOs publishers of of uh, hijacked Harrow it, that isn't what it was really created for and that's not why journalists are using it they're using it to source experts to make their articles better more informed so yeah. if you go in clearly asking for a backlink then it's gonna you know it's gonna annoy them name your your company maybe have your url at the bottom and then wait and see and there's a number of tactics i can tell you which which work 25 30 percent of the time to get a backlink even if you don't get one if you want me to share that i can um yeah what's what's like the polite subtle way to to say and if you wouldn't mind linking to I mean, it's, most of the time it's going to be homepage links if it is a link at all. But like, is there a way to drive links to internal pages? Or you know, I'm curious to get your take on this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, don't even bother asking for an internal page link, and don't. Can you yeah. link to my affiliate product review? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's that won't happen. It's got worse, I would say, Harrow. In the three years that I've been doing it, the, the publishers have got more stingy with giving the links. And oftentimes now it's part of the main editorial policy of, of the website itself to no follow the link. We still we guarantee at least 50% do follow links in our service. So if we, if we've already built half your order as no follow, we'll keep, we'll make sure the other half is do follow and we'll keep going and we'll keep going. But until we get the other half is do follow, but certain web- websites just do not give uh, a do follow link, but it's interesting. This is another thing that I think is a good reason or, or one of the, one of the um, areas of value that we offer. We have a really robust system for tracking unlinked mentions. So we track everything uh, every day. Um, so we'll track all the clients' names, the clients' websites with like search parameters and free tracking, Google Alerts, TalkWalker, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as we see that uh, a website has published a quote, we'll go in, have they linked? Ah, no, they haven't linked. So that's when it starts then. So then it's like, okay, what's the domain? Okay, this domain, it never links. We've tried 25 times. We're not going to try again. Oh, well, the client, the client's got some a free unlinked mention. It's on the house. Put it on your homepage. Enjoy the fact that you got featured in this great website, but they're really stingy and they never link. And then eventually maybe we stop pitching that website. But it's also nice to give the client an awesome unlinked mention in a website. So we'll leave it at that. But I think that's that's part of just a natural kind of online presence. Like every time I talk about selling something on eBay, I don't link to eBay every time I mention it. It's like, yeah, I think it's natural. It would look weird if every single mention of your company was linked. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's like my tinfoil SEO conspiracy theory hat. No, I think that's a good point. I think uh, you need to have a natural looking backlink profile, which is a healthy mix of do follow and no follow. And then, yeah, if you've also got unlinked mentions in there, I mean, the place that an unlinked mention is going to be seen by Google's algorithm, if at all, is going to be on the biggest websites in the world. So if you've you've got um, Side Hustle Nation unlinked, but on the, I don't know, uh, New York Times, Google... Which, which has happened, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it's going to add credence and credibility to your site uh, and your brand name, definitely. If we see that the the domain is one that we're familiar with, that for whatever reason sometimes forgets the link, there's one really good website. It's a DR90, it's 10 million a month traffic. They always don't link. And then if you just email them and say, can you add the link? <laughs> the next day they go, yeah, it's fine. I've added the link. And it's like, I don't know why they don't just link, but they always add the link. There's some websites that always no follow, but they will turn it into a do follow if you email. There's one website, which is in the UK is a massive uh, website, the 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 sun.co.uk. And I, and I think the sister website in the US is the the sun or the US sun.com. Now, if you get an unlinked mention on the US sun, they don't reply to emails, but if you go via the UK Sun's editorial corrections department and say to them, I've been trying to get in touch with somebody over at the sister company, but no one's replying. I was recently quoted in this article, but they didn't give me a link. Is there any way you'd be able to just you know, link back to my website? Then they will. So knowing all of these sort of tips and tricks is a way that- Yeah, we, that's, that's a great one. Yeah, is a way to is deliver more links on better websites, um, yeah, so I'd like to think that's that's something that that we've that we've got good at, and we're getting better at as well. This may be a little bit deep in the SEO weeds, but at what point is there diminishing returns? Like, if I've already got two hundred, three hundred, five hundred relatively high authority backlinks to my site, does it make? Am I going to notice a difference for for adding 
10 more, 20 more? Like at what point, it's got to be a, a diminishing returns at some point. I would think so. Yeah. I think it really depends on your business, how much you're reliant on SEO. If you're on a cusp of, of entering into the next level of Google organic traffic, maybe your your competitors are just a, a few notches above you in terms of their their authority. It could just be the the one the one small extra thing you need. Okay, okay, yeah. Or you know, if you're in a super competitive niche, I mean, we don't deal with casino and CBD, but maybe a VPN or you know something along those lines where uh, yeah, insurance or, or something. Yeah, which we can do. We can do link. Uh, we can build Harrow links for you know insurance, banking, any of these sorts of websites. Uh, if you're in that industry, then your competitors have got a link budget. They're going to be buying links, you know, all day, every day, every month. They've got the money for it, and they're always doing it. So if you're you've got to do it as well, then you may as well set aside a small portion of your budget to good link, good homepage links. It's never going to hurt. That that's the thing. Like they're never going to devalue a DR70 website with millions of organic traffic, a real press link. Google's never going to devalue these sites, which means those links are always going to be a healthy part of your profile. Okay, so the influencer outreach strategy is one of the marketing channels. And I really like this. Hey, here's the free sample. You know, if you like it, go share it with your audience or here's the educational webinar content. You know, let's you know put this together. And, you know, showcase your credibility expertise in this space. And if it makes sense to have us do it for you, great, sign up here. What else is going on on the marketing side? Because it's uh, that those are very, like, you kind of describe like very lumpy uh, revenue streams. Like when one of those emails goes out or when one of those webinars happen, okay, we get this influx. And then we got to go deliver that work. And that's fine. But then, you know, pretty soon, you know, we delivered those five or 10 links. And now we're, you know, back to the drawing board. We got to go find some more revenue. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Influencer marketing is like an unbelievably good way to to start. We found it's been really fruitful and it seems like something which can compound as well. Like the more, the as you meet bigger and uh, influencers, people with more reach, more scope, and, and they see what you can do and they tell their friends, it's sort of, yeah, it goes up a notch each time, but exactly as you described, it's like that really lumpy. <laughs> so We've tried, we're currently trying a number of things. Maybe we should have tried one thing strongly, but instead we are trying a few things simultaneously. So we've got our free opt-in. So we have a, fr- a free database, which is the one we use. It's our agency grade database of Harrow websites that have been pre-vetted. You can go in and see what the DR is, whether or not the domain historically no follows or do follows the link. And then whether or not historically, uh, that domain is receptive to a follow-up. So it, be it that they don't link, is that domain receptive to a follow-up? Well, they'll turn it into a link. Or if they historically no follow, are they receptive to a follow-up to turn it into a do-follow? This would be a tool to use as you're going through the queries, say like, is this worthwhile to submit to? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we offer that for, as a free download. Uh, we're doing Facebook ads for that. Um, that's growing the list quite nicely actually. And then a a low ticket, a big discount on the uh, Harrow Masterclass course, and then uh, email sequence leading to the packages. And do you want us to do it for you? And then we've hit that list a couple of times throughout the year as well. But I'm also, we've also now taken on uh, a team to check our funnels and then see if there's more things that we can be doing there because people are receptive to the opt-in and people eventually buy. So it's just tweaking it, bringing down the 
the cost of the Facebook ad to get them on the list and then learning how to better nurture that. Uh, so that's like one thing in the pipeline. We've got a team doing LinkedIn outreach for us as well, but we're trying to find our feet with the, you need an ideal customer really, I think on LinkedIn. I'm not sure. I like LinkedIn, but I'm not as familiar with it. And I think we're still trying to learn who our ideal customer is. So we're also trying things with that. So a lot of testing and tweaking. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, good. no, I could see it. I could see LinkedIn working well, but you're right. The, the advice has been, you know, I do X for Y, or I solve this problem for this type of customer. And it's like, it's a little bit broader. I mean, just to say bloggers or online business owners, it's still a little bit broad to say, you know, I can build you links. It's, a, it's valuable, but like, oh, I do it for, you know, this specific sub industry or something like, you know, to make it super, super relevant and be like, well, shoot, these are, these are the guys we got to hire. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Um, I like that. I'd imagine long-term, I hope, hopefully you're building links for yourself. So ultimately I imagine it would be like dream to rank for, you know, PR link building service or something, you know, some variation of that and like, oh, you know, how we climb the ranks uh, for that for our own site and get organic traffic. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to define the ideal customer because for us, the ideal customer is like a few customers from each niche. So if we found our ideal customer, let's say uh, quite a good um, industry to build links and Harrow is, is real estate. But if we managed to nail down the LinkedIn outreach and we, and we had 10 people from the real estate industry sign up, all at once, I'd be having a heart attack because mm-hmm. there's like three <laughs> three real estate queries and I'm sending right, right. <laughs> who's going to win it. It's the journalist, the New York Times journalist I was talking to you about, she's written some content for our Link of I website as well from, I thought this could be really good, like Link Bait. And she's written for us like the worst things to do in a Harrow pitch. And then I got her to write me sort of a 10, 10 point checklist on 10 things to always do. So I thought if we could promote that content that could be a really that would be something i would download if a, a journalist was going to tell me 10 things to always do in a pitch that's that's yeah another. this is blog content on linkify blog content yeah not live yet um oh. but yeah oh, okay we've, that's going to be uh i'm waiting to see if the the email people think that's a good uh like free opt-in just lots of things <laughs> lots of things all right working on. well if it if it goes um ahead of the opt-in let me know we'll link it up because i think that would be a good resource too Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> you know, internal internal links from from supposedly high authority domains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I wanted to ask because it's kind of an open ended contract, and you've got other team members. Is there a way that you're thinking about margins on a unit cost? Uh, you know, if if somebody signs up for this package at this price, like we're reasonably confident our cost to deliver that is, you know. 30%, 50%, like, I don't know, just, it's, um, there's a lot of moving parts here. We do have room on the margin. We've been quite prudent in the way that we've hired. So uh, we've looked at Eastern Europe primarily, which has got, you know, really highly educated people that speak fantastic English. Um, okay. Which has been a, an excellent resource for hiring. It's a lot better than fish and chips. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. We're at a point now where we're operating close to capacity with a team of like seven. So if we were going to then go to the next level, I think everything would need to double. So if we were going to go out of this bracket of operations, I would want to be going from, you know, feeling comfortable at 25 to 30 clients to 60 clients. And then in order to get to 60 clients, and have 60 clients at any one 
time. I would need to be, we would need to be spending a lot more money on lead gen. We would need twice the amount of staff, twice the amount of tools. So that is a hard thing to determine because it's quite comfortable at this level. But at the same time, we do want to grow. So maybe I come back on next year and see what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the question of, you know, do do we chase growth for the sake of growth? Like, is my life, you know, better in any meaningful way if we have double the number of clients? Or is is that just creating more headaches? So, I I mean, is that where where do you ultimately want to go with this over the next uh, six to 12 months? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to grow. We want to do the, the the PR offerings. I think this is uh, a way to protect ourselves as well from the, the changing landscape. I mean, who knows what's going to happen if Google will even still be a search engine? I'm sure it will be. But who knows uh, with the advent of you know AI and all of this? I think PR is definitely something which will have longevity for years and years to come. So I think once we can once we can start offering and delivering um, PR packages, which will be a combination of, of links and branded mentions in big publications then we can sort of see take our cues from the market then we can see what people are are wanting what they're demanding and at least then if we have the ability to offer both at a high level then we can let the market dictate to us which way to to take the company um and that would obviously be in my view onwards and upwards to growth but to grow in a direction that we that we know we can scale comfortably and for years to come as opposed to just okay let's get 60 clients and build them harrow links let's get 120 clients and build them harrow links ah google now has devalued links what do we do now (laughs) which would be (laughs) yeah yeah there's been lots of businesses that have had the businesses you know the business kind of pulled out the rug from underneath them and i mean the example of the restaurant during the pandemic is a good example of that. Well, all of a sudden, external factors suddenly turned what was a viable thing to not such a viable thing. So yeah, it, that stuff could always happen. I was going to ask, and this, this is a little bit open-ended, but if there have been any mistakes or missteps or surprises along the way where if you had to start over, you might do something a little bit differently. We had a promotion go out and something was wrong in the coupon code that we'd set. So that was scary because we'd, we'd done all the work building up to the promotion. Basically, we just hadn't like triple checked everything tr- tracked. So we, we hadn't, I think we checked quickly, make sure this coupon code gives this discount and it's associated to this person, blah, 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 blah. But then we were offering two products at the time and it wasn't working on the second one. So we hadn't checked it. And l- that could have lost us a lot of, of the whole of that promotion. But luckily that person resent the email. I mean, I, I, I think it probably still did harm us a little bit because this was like a second email with like an apology, blah, blah, blah. But luckily it was okay. So yeah, there's, there's no faster way to get a response than like screw something up in an email link links broken. Yeah. Or, you, know, you got a typo in paragraph two. I sent out to a hundred thousand people and get, you know, only a handful of replies unless I screw something up. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. There are people out there listening. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good way to check who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good way to, you know, send some signals to the algorithm or something like, Oh, people are engaged with this. Okay. So cool. Working on expanding the, PR service side of it um, and working on growing this thing in the next little bit. So linkify.io, check Chris out over there, check the service out. If he's been very generous, he's offered a 20% off for Side Hustle Show listeners when you use promo code SIDEHUSTLE20, that's valid on either of their link building packages or the Haro Masterclass course, if that's kind of the, the DIY version, if you want to learn how to make these pitches 
yourself. So linkify.io for that with code SIDEHUSTLE20. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Like I said, I've been a fan for a long time. I heard John Dykstra on here, Debbie Gartner. So uh, yeah, it's been a real privilege to come on. Uh, I'd say my number one tip is if you are starting something and you've got a product or a service that you are that you believe in and you know is good then just reach out to people offer value talk to them on twitter comment on uh, a facebook post and down the road offer them to do what you do for free and then further down the road from there you can ask them maybe if they liked what you do to see if they'll uh, reach out everyone in the online world for me so far has been it's been amazing i think it's such a, an amazing community such an amazing place to grow a business compared to the the real world quote unquote but yeah if you've got something of value track people down offer it for free and then you can you can really grow a business that way i think yeah this is the uh, i mean we always talk about the costco uh, free sample i don't know if they have costco in the uk but yeah you walk down the aisles there's always these people handing out samples of the latest thing you didn't know you needed and before you know it you get a cart full of this stuff so it's like here try it try it and trust us it's good so I like that one a lot. My, you know, I'm taking notes throughout the call, but I really like the unique positioning on here and really pairing that with a guarantee. Like, look, you know, it's not, we're going to pitch this stuff on your behalf and whatever happens, happens. It's like, no, we're going to do this on your behalf and we're not going to stop until we get you to 10 links. And, you know, that makes it a very straightforward decision for people. I think and so that makes sense. Like in, in to bring that back to whatever side hustle you're working on it's like okay what's that guaranteed outcome that your buyer is looking for we talk about that buyer transformation in this case you know just you know higher rankings in general but it's hard to promise that so to dial that back and say look we can guarantee you this we don't know how long it's going to take depending on your niche but you know this is what we're going to do so i like that and then i like this call to kind of shortcut your marketing by tapping into you know, the, the lead fountains, so to speak, of the people mm-hmm. who, you know, already have an audience of your target customer, the Carly Campbells, the John Dykstra's of the world, the, you know, people who you can go and use that free strategy with to say, Hey, this, uh, I think is going to be relevant to you. I, you know, I'm, I'm confident we can do a good job. And, you know, if you like it, you know, you can become a customer of ours, but maybe more importantly, you could share it with your, uh, with your audience as well. So I think that makes a lot of sense. We call it, you know, kind of a variation on the buy button strategy, uh, Daniel DiPiazza would call it the marsupial method. I don't know why. It's like, you know, you're writing in the pouch of a, of an, of a, of a, of a lead generator. I don't know. It's kind of a weird name, but I remember that from like years and years ago on the show. So again, really, Chris, really appreciate you coming and, uh, and hanging out, sharing this stuff and some, you know, help a reporter tips if you're going to do it on your own. Again, I don't expect you to go out and start your own link building agency, but hopefully you'll be able to use some of the same tactics that Chris applied to your own. If you're wondering what business uh, ideas could be on uh, your radar, make sure to download my uh, list of 101 service business ideas. You can start today. That's uh, for free in the show notes for this episode. Just follow the link in the description uh, in your podcast app or on YouTube for that. Big thanks to Chris for sharing his insight. You can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. And thank you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. That's it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.